I suggest that we can prove the existence of God from the impossibility of the contrary. As Christians, we do not give up our intellect. The strongest evidence and argument for the existence of God is that without a belief in God, you can't prove anything. How can the law be material? That's the question I'm going to ask you. I would say no. And can you give me an example of anything other than God that's immaterial? Welcome to the Revealed Apologetics podcast. I'm your host, Elias Ayala, and here at Revealed Apologetics, Our goal is to equip believers to defend the Christian faith, and we want to equip you to do it in a way that is honoring to God and faithful to Scripture. So sit back, relax, get your thinking caps on, and let's dive into our topic for today. Gonna give it a minute to uh, boot up. Let's make sure there's no sound issues. Ask the people in the audience. Okay. I had a few with, with some sound issues, which were not great. I invited on Peter Hitchens, and the sound when he came on was just terrible. It was such a travesty. Peter Hitchens. Yeah. <laughs> Is that on YouTube? Yep. I uh, have both the sound terrible version and the the modified version to try and make the sound a little bit better. Okay. <clears throat> All right. It looks like we are live. I'm getting sound as good from the people in the audience. So, uh, James, thanks for coming on and taking the time to have a conversation with me. I really appreciate it. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself before we get started? Sure. Well, thanks, Tom, for having me on. Uh, I'm not quite sure what to expect, but I hope it'll be fun. So um, I'm a a professor of uh, theology and philosophy at a seminary, Reformed Theological Seminary in um, Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Although I, um, you probably tell from my accent, I'm not from North Carolina. I'm from uh, United Kingdom. Uh, Moved here 10 years ago and teach uh, uh, various topics, including um, philosophy, uh, Christian apologetics, and uh, yeah, uh, is that enough? Yeah, that's good. Cool. So uh, I'm an atheist, by which I mean I believe there are no reasons to believe in the existence of God, and I think that naturalistic explanations can better explain all the different arguments and evidence. Could you tell me what reasons and arguments and evidence you believe there are for belief in a God, and I'd like to tell you my position on those reasons, and then I'd just like to hear your thoughts on my position. Okay, all right. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there are uh, plenty reasons, but I thought maybe uh, it'd be good to focus on an argument that uh, I've actually published on. So um, I have some claim to know something about it. You know, there's, there's various arguments I'm sure you've heard for the existence of God and 
such like. Um, but this is an argument that uh, I've, I've defended in print, and uh, I think I think you'll find it interesting. I'd certainly be interested to hear um, your your thoughts on it, uh, where you think the argument goes wrong. So um, maybe if I just give you a give you a summary of the argument, or sort of lay out the steps in it, and then we can we can go through and see where where you want to get off the bus so to speak you know um, before before the conclusion so so this is called the the argument for god from logic and the basic idea is that uh we can reflect on the laws of logic which i assume you accept that there are such things as laws of logic although we, we need to clarify that claim but there are there are laws, laws of logic and I, I think when we reflect on the nature of the laws of logic uh, we can reach the conclusion that uh, they require the existence of God, or they imply the existence of God themselves. So, so the the steps in the argument look like this: we start uh, by by recognizing that the laws of logic are truths. That is, they they are true claims, they're true statements, or or uh, better, they're true true propositions. So. Um, we need to have an understanding of what a proposition is, and I, I can get to that later. But we start by recognizing that the laws of logic are, are truths or true true propositions. And uh, they're truths about truths, a special kind of truths that tell us truths about the relationships between other truths. So uh, the law of um, non-contradiction tells us that no, no, tr no proposition and its negation uh, can, be, can be both true. Um, then we recognize that the laws of logic are necessary truths. And by the way, I'm not actually arguing these points right now. I'm just laying out the steps so, so you get the sense of the argument. So the laws of logic are necessary truths. They're truths that, that could not have been false. Um, that's what necessary truth means, or uh, there are other ways to talk about necessity. But um, uh, laws of logic are necessary truths. Uh, and then the next step is to argue that the laws of logic really exist. Uh, they are propositions and propositions are real entities and the laws of logic, uh, therefore, being propositions are, are real entities. Um, uh, that doesn't commit us to any particular understanding of what propositions are, but uh, I want to make the claim that the laws of logic uh, as propositions are, are real things, real existent things. Uh, and then we can argue that they are necessarily existent things. They don't just exist, but they exist necessarily uh, and uh, I'll explain the argument for that um, perhaps later on. Um, and then we, from these steps, we can recognize that the laws of logic, if they're necessarily existent things, they can't be physical things. Um, you identified yourself as a naturalist, so perhaps we go further and say that they can't be natural things. It depends on, on your definition of naturalism, but certainly they can't be physical things. Um, and then we can argue that the laws of logic are in fact thoughts, that is they're mental entities. Um, and the argument for this is that propositions in general have characteristics that uh, lead us to identify them as mental things rather than physical things or, or uh, some other category. And if the laws of logic are thoughts, and if they are necessarily existent, then they must be necessarily existent thoughts. They, if there are laws of logic, then there must be uh, thoughts that exist necessarily. And uh, thoughts require a mind. You can't have a, a thought without a mind. And so this entails the existence of a necessarily existent mind, uh, a mind that, that could not fail to exist. Obviously, that can't be a human mind. So um, you've got a necessarily existent uh, mind, uh, 
personal. Uh, we can argue that's a person. It's not, it's not going to be a physical person. It has to be a spiritual person. And uh, for all intents and purposes, we can draw the conclusion that, uh, that, that God exists. I mean, if you want to quibble about um, whether, whether God is a necessarily existent mind or whether that, that, that could only be God, uh, we could get to that. But, but the conclusion of the argument really is that there's a, there, if there are laws of logic, there must be a necessarily existent mind. Um, and, uh, and and that's where uh, I, I would draw the argument to a close at that point. So does that is that a useful summary? Yeah, it sounds very much like the transcendental argument where the laws of logic are existent things and they're some kind of a mental thing and therefore you need a mind that constructs them and if they're necessary, then the mind must be necessary. Seems to be similar in that sense. So my first thought would be, I don't consider the laws of logic to be existent. That was the first thing that really yeah. popped out at me. I would consider them to be descriptions of things that exist, but not existent things themselves. So I would say that reality exists and reality is the way reality is. And the laws of logic simply describe that. Like we could make different laws of logic. And I know there are some like intuitionistic logic, fuzzy logic, quantum logic, many valued logic, all kinds of things. And we could just make up a completely incoherent logic and there could be those kinds of things. But the, the reason that standard logic is true or the correct logic is because it corresponds to reality. And okay. so I would say that reality precedes logic and that logic is simply a language descriptor of reality and not the other way around, which seems to be more what you're arguing is that logic precedes reality and seems to like govern the way reality is in some sense. Okay, so so you're, you're questioning uh, this point. Well, let's back up a bit. So. So can we agree that the the laws of laws of logic are truths? Could we could we agree on that? that I guess premise? it depends on what you mean by truths, but I, I think so because for me, truth is a proper prop, uh, property of sentences. So okay. if the sentence corresponds to reality, then it's a truth. And so since a equals a does correspond to reality, then yes, it is true, and it is a truth, and that's so a. Okay, so so statements can be true, right? And the laws of logic. Um, uh, or can be expressed as statements, as true statements, okay? Yeah. Um, so the question then is, is uh, how we relate propositions to statements. So um, a proposition we can define as a, as a primary truth bearer, that is whatever it is that bears the property of truth, okay? Um, so would your view be that propositions are just statements um sort of i mean they're they can be true statements or false statements because you can have malformed propositions and so i would say that it's essentially just like a statement in any other any other statement and its truth is contingent on whether or not it corresponds to reality or whether or not you're determining truth like in a system of language it's true based off of um C++. If it's true in C++, right. then it would be true in that sense, regardless of whether or not it corresponds to reality. But we're talking about truth. I usually refer to it, does it correspond to reality? And so the propositions yeah. are only sentences, and then their truth isn't purely contingent on just whether or not they're logical, but it's also contingent on whether or not that logic corresponds to reality. And that's the ultimate truth maker is whether or not it corresponds to reality. Okay. So uh, let, let's, let's grant that the truth involves correspondence to reality that's fine what i want to focus on though is that is the nature of truths themselves okay so you you said that the laws of logic are descriptions okay um so take the take the law of non-contradiction all right we speak of the law of non-contradiction 
because there's there's just one proposition that it, that it is. Descriptions are multiple things. So so if I were to speak the law of non-contradiction, you would speak the law of non-contradiction. We would have two two descriptions in the sense that I'm I'm speaking something, you're speaking something, or we could we could write it down on a piece of paper. We could we could write down. And I'd have my description. And I'd have your description. But those descriptions are not the law of uh, law of non-contradiction themselves. They're, they're they're linguistic expressions of the law of non-contradiction. There is there is something behind them, and that's what I'm getting at when I talk about a proposition. So a proposition is is an uh, is the is the primary bearer of of truth. So the law of non-contradiction, if it's true, it is a propositional truth that can be expressed in a statement. It can be written down, it could be articulated in language, but that's not the proposition itself. I think we need to distinguish between propositions and the statements that express those propositions. And that, that's fairly key to the argument. So maybe we need to dwell on that a bit. So um, take, let me, let me take, pick up on that just for a minute. Sure, so I would, I would agree with all of that, except I would just say that the, the laws themselves are just the statements and then the truth maker isn't the propositions. The, the truth maker is reality. Reality is the truth maker. And sure. the propositions are more the language thing. So I agree. Yeah, with I'm, not, I'm be... not questioning truth makers. Okay. I'm talking about truth bearers, the things that are true. There's, there's a difference between a truth bearer, something that has truth, that has the property of being true, and a truth maker, something in reality, maybe a fact or something that, that accounts for its truth. But a proposition is something that that, that is itself true. It bears the property of truth. So suppose that you and I um, both write down uh, the law of non-contradiction, or let's, let's make it easier. Let's say uh, we both write down the sentence or the statement, the sky is blue. Okay. And let's assume for the sake of argument, that's the truth. Okay. The sky, sky is blue. All right. I've written down a statement and you've written down a statement. We've got two statements there, two physical things, but we've only got one truth. And those two statements express the same truth, right? Yep. So there's one thing, a truth, and there are two things, the statements. So the truth can't be the statement itself. We have to distinguish the statements, the physical articulations, from the truth itself. So we've got something else there, something that's, as it were, behind the statements that we would call a, a true proposition. And the true proposition isn't identical to any of the expressions, the linguistic expressions of it. Is that... Would you accept that? Uh, I think so, but I'm still not seeing, like, I don't understand why a truth bearer has to exist in any sense. Because what? Well, because, because we're assuming that. When we say that two statements express the same truth, we've got two things, the statements, but we've also got one thing, what we call the same thing, and that's the truth. So the truth or the true proposition is independent of the statements itself. It can't be the same thing because you can't have two things that are also one thing, right? Right. Okay. So, so uh, from my, on my perspective, we have the statement and we have reality, and then the truth bearer in this case would be whether or not the statement corresponds to reality, but that isn't itself an existing thing. It's more just a relation. Well, then then you're basically saying that, that, that truths don't exist, okay? You can't, you can't say that there is something that is true but also that, that thing doesn't exist, right? You can't, something can't have properties if it doesn't exist. Right, I'm saying the statement can be true, but the statement doesn't exist. So the statement, 
the sky is blue is true statement, but the statement the sky is blue doesn't exist anywhere in the universe. We're just stating it. It's a descriptive fact. Well, but now, now you're switching between statements and propositions. So remember, we're imagining we've got two statements written on a piece of paper. I've got one here. It says the sky is blue. You've got one there. Let's suppose the sky is blue. Okay. There's two physical things there, two physical um, uh, sentences on, on a page. Those are, those are the statements. Okay. But the statements have the same truth content. They, have, they express the same proposition. That's why we're drawing a distinction between statements, which are linguistic expressions, and the proposition, which is the truth expressed by the statement. So uh, unless we can get clear on that distinction between statements and propositions, I don't think we're going to make any, any headway here. Well, let's just go with propositions. So proposition A equals A. If we both write A equals A on a paper, the fact that it's true isn't in itself. It's not true by by the fiat. It's only true because that's how reality works that way. And so yeah, but we're not talking about why it's true. We're talking about the truth itself. Okay, there's a distinction between why a proposition is true. That's the issue of truth makers. But what we're talking about is the truth itself, the proposition that A equals A or that the sky equals blue. So so when we deal when we deal with statements, when we make true statements, those statements have propositional content. Okay, they, they have a they they have something that is true. Okay, and when we when we for example have the same belief, suppose we both believe the same thing, that belief has a propositional content. All right, that there's a proposition contained in that belief. So suppose we both believe that the sky is blue. There are two beliefs. There's the one in my mind, or if you prefer brain, if you're a physicalist, um, and there's the one in your mind. So we have two beliefs. But again, there's something that they share. And what they share is the proposition that the sky is blue. So unless, unless we have shared propositional content between statements or beliefs, we can't have things like agreement. We can't have things like communication. Um, so again, this is, this is a pretty important point that we need to nail down, whether we can distinguish tr propositions from the statements that express them or the beliefs that, that contain them. So from my perspective, I see propositions as just a subset of statements. So there are statements and inside those, there's this category of propositions, which are also statements, but they're not the same as all kinds of statements, like all roses are flowers, not all flowers are roses kind of a thing. Uh, uh, propositions are subset of statements. Yeah. So that... this, this, the proposition A equals A is a statement. A equals A. That's the statement. And the only reason it's not an existent thing propositions aren't some separate category from my perspective they're also just descriptive statements like logic is a formal language just stanford encyclopedia of philosophy the first line of the classical logic page like logic is a formal language so it's just it's no different than english and the only reason it's true or what the truth bearers and the truth makers it is only the truth maker the truth maker is the only thing that exists it's reality and the truth bearer of does it correspond to reality isn't an existing thing in and of itself. It's just saying, well, does this statement uh, actually correspond to reality? That's all it's asking. Does, the truth bearer isn't a separate thing that exists. It's just an abstract relationship between the statement and does this statement ac accurately describe reality? So I don't see how in your argument, why we need this separate category of truth bearer to well, exist. Because you've got a problem on your hands. If you say there are no, no truth bearers, which I believe is what you just said, if there are no truth bearers, if truth bearers don't really exist, then nothing's true. Okay, if nothing has the property of being true, if nothing bears the property of being true, then nothing is true. 
there are no truths. Um, I don't think that's where you want to end up. Well, I define truth as a property of sentences. So it's truth isn't. The ah, thing okay, that right. Okay. So now you're saying sentences are truth bearers. Yeah. Okay. Sentences, sentences are truth bearers. Okay. But the problem is that if we have sentences that express the same truth, and this is where I was going earlier, if we have two sentences, two distinct sentences, because these would be physical things on a page, let's say, if we've got two sentences, but they express the same truth, then there's one thing there. That one thing is the truth itself. Okay. Let's, let's, let's maybe clarify things by talking about um, translation. Okay. So suppose we've got two languages now. And uh, let's say they're English and French. Not that my French is very good, but we'll see about that. So we've got, we've got in English, we've got the statement, uh, the sky is blue. And in French, we've got the statement, uh, le ciel est bleu. Okay, that's my best French. I think that's my only French. Um, so those, those, are, those are obviously different sentences. One's in one language, one's in another language. But they express the same truth. They have the same propositional content. Okay, there's, there's one proposition that is being expressed in two languages. And it's the proposition itself that's true. Okay, we don't have to say that the sky is blue and le ciel is bleu. These are, these are distinct truths. They're one truth that's expressed in two concrete languages. And my point is that the proposition is something distinct from those two, two statements. One's in English and one's in French. There is, there's one truth. Uh, we can express it as the sky is blue or le ciel est bleu. But there's one thing that's the truth, and that, that, that proposition is the primary truth bearer. That's the thing that has the property of truth. If we don't, if we don't have such a thing, then we can't explain uh, translation from one language to another. We can't explain how one truth can be expressed in, uh, in, in uh, different uh, languages or, or different sentences. Um, we don't have communication unless we've got something it, that is shared, some entity that is shared between these various linguistic expressions. That's my argument. Okay, so from my perspective, we can say for in English that unicorns are pink horses with horns or something, and in French we can say unicorns are pink horses with horns. I can't, I don't actually know the French for that. And uh -huh. we can describe those as both being true because we've defined unicorns to be pink horses with horns, but there's nothing in reality that defines unicorns to be that way it's purely just something we've made up it's a figment of language or a figment of our imagination so sure, the proposition yeah. is like that the proposition is the unicorn and so it doesn't exist just like the unicorns don't exist but we can still say it's true because we've defined it to be that way it's just a language a figment of language so so you're saying that that propositions are fictional constructs yeah, it's a formal language. We just made it up, like C++ or Visual Basic or any of those. It's just a made-up formal language by humans. Well, the problem is we don't treat truths like we treat unicorns, okay? I mean, clearly, unicorns, we know are a fictional construct. We, we, we invented them. We didn't invent truths. Truths, truths are there, <laughs> whether we recognize them or not, okay? No one, no one came up with the, the, the idea of, of truth, uh, as opposed to the idea of uh, a unicorn. So truth is, truth is not an invention, okay? Um, we, it's, it's actually a presupposition of all our language and all of our uh, thinking. Um, we, we, we trade in truths, okay? We're, we're interested in truths. And if there aren't such things as truths, things that are true, 
then we've got a big problem on our hands. So, so really all I'm saying is there are some things that are true, okay? So put, it, put a blank there. There are Xs that are true, okay? Things that are true, that have the property of truth. Now let's figure out what are those things. Are those things concrete physical things like statements on a page or uh, neuron uh, structures or something like that, or are they something else? But if we're saying that truths are not real things, then <laughs> we've got a problem on our hands. Okay, so from my perspective, when we say something is true, I mean, from before any sentences existed, nothing was true because the only thing that can be true are sentences. So if this does- Well, wait this right sentence, there. So you're okay. saying that, that before there were sentences, there were no truths. Correct, reality exists, but okay. for that statement so to was, be true, was it two to plus be two four. Two plus two equals four. Was that a truth before uh, any sentences existed? That statement you just expressed is true. So no, but that's not my question. My question is, was that a truth before sentences came into existence? Well, yeah, the statement you just expressed is true, but that statement didn't exist prior to human No, mind. That's right. The statement didn't exist, but was there a truth? That well, existed. that's what I'm saying. No, the truth is just the statement. The truth is held by the statement you just expressed. Reality didn't have truths in it before the statement. The, the truth is only a property of the sentence. So it is, there is a fact of reality that two equals four, but that's not a truth. The truth is just the sentence. It is, is held by the sentence that you're expressing. Okay. So a consequence of that is that there are no necessary truths. There's nothing, nothing that has to be true. There's nothing that is true in, in every possible world, okay? Because if you're saying that truths are, are just sentences, and sentences are things that are contingent, they may or may not exist, then there can be nothing that's a necessary truth, okay? But this leads to all kinds of paradoxes. So for example, if there's a possible world where there are no physical things, would, would you grant that? There's a possible world in which there's no physical things? Sure. Okay, I mean, I mean, you're familiar with the language of a possible world, so there, there could be. Logic. Okay, yeah. So modal logic. So, so it's just a, a way of thinking about possibilities and necessities. So, uh, if if physical things are contingent things, they, they they exist but they didn't have to exist. There's a possible world in which there are no physical things. Okay, but in that possible world, it would still be true that there are no physical things. There would be a truth. It would be true in that possible world that there are no physical things, which is why we have to make a distinction between truth and the physical statements that express that truth. Well, I don't see a contradiction there because again, the truth is held by the statement you just expressed and the truth is only contained in that statement you just expressed. It's not true in the universe that the, it's only true in that statement you just expressed. So the, again, the truth bearer is only exists in the statement. It can only be true after you've expressed the statement and not like before or independent of a statement because truth is a property of sentences. If the sentence doesn't exist, it can't be true. So there is a fact of the matter. Like I, I would make a distinction between facts and truths. There is a fact of the matter that the universe has no physical things in it. And that st statement I just expressed is true. But the universe itself doesn't contain that truth. That truth is contained by the sentence I just expressed that there are no physical things in the universe. Okay. Okay. There's a number of ways we, we could go with this. I, I still think there are, there are huge problems with the idea that 
that truths are only sentences or statements, okay? And I, I pointed some of these already, and I, I, I'm not sure that we've made much headway in, in seeing what's, what's wrong with the argument here, but um, if, if two sentences express the same truth, all right, then there can't be two truths. There's one truth that's expressed in two sentences or two statements. So that's, that's, that's one reason why I'm distinguishing truths from sentences or just statements, because you can have multiple expressions, linguistic expressions of a proposition, a true proposition, but those are not identical to the proposition itself, because there are many statements, multiple statements, but there's only one true proposition. Another, another issue with identifying truths with, with statements, saying that the only things that are true are statements, is that there are, there are many truths that have not been expressed in statements and in principle could not be expressed in statements. So we could run, for example, a mathematical uh, induction. So, so for, every, uh, for every natural number, there is a truth about that natural number right? That it says odd or it's even, okay? But there are, in that case, there are an infinite number of truths because there's an infinite number of natural numbers, okay? You can, you can just go, go up the sequence of natural numbers and you can, you can there's, a, there's a truth for every single natural number. In fact, there are many truths. But the vast majority of those have not been expressed in statements and could not be expressed in statements. N none of us could express all those truths in statements. So we have to draw a distinction between the truths about those numbers and the statements that express those truths. If truths just are statements, then in fact, uh, we, we don't have all these truths about natural numbers, okay? So this is another, another argument against identifying truths with physical statements or um, human beliefs, because we know that there are many, many more truths than there are statements or thoughts or beliefs. Um, related to this is the idea of discovering truths. So we, we talk about discovering a truth or uncovering a truth. What that implies is that there are certain things that are true before we have grasped them, before we've uh, linguistically expressed them, before we've thought about them. So again, I think there are lots of reasons for thinking that truths uh, can't be simply identified with statements. So when we talk about true things that are true, fundamentally true, uh, statements can't be the most fundamental things that are true. They can't be what we call um, primary truth, truth bearers. If we define a proposition as a primary bearer of truth, then statements express propositions, but statements can't themselves be propositions. Okay, so from my perspective, I agree that the truth and the sentence can't be the same thing. Like they're not identical because sentences can be false. So there has okay, to be good, some difference. Okay, good. Can we can we agree on that then? A yeah, truth absolutely. and a statement are not the same thing. All right. Okay. Right, because there's good. statements that can be false, so they can't be identical. They have to oh, be okay. some difference. Oh, okay. Sure. Right. Okay. But but what I'm saying is that things that can be true or false. So this is what what we define as a proposition. So a proposition is something that fundamentally can be either true or false. Okay. So are, are all propositions statements? I would say so, yes. Okay, well, then we've got, we got a problem because there are propositions, as I just said, there are, there are true propositions about uh, numbers, you know, an infinite number of uh, pr 
true propositions about the natural numbers, but we don't have an infinite number of statements because well, well, I disagree we, don't, there. we don't have time for that. Well, I disagree What's there that? because I, I disagree there because there are an infinite number of statements. We just haven't said them all. No, so. no, no. Because humans make statements. So right. how, when did we make all these statements? When well, did we make a, an infinite number of statements? It's an abstract combination of other things. So if we have 26 letters in the English language, we can combine those in an infinite number of ways to create infinite possible statements. So there are infinite statements potentially out there given the English no, language. No, no, no. You, you, you've just cheated. You've just, turned, you've just turned statements into abstract things. They are statements, abstract things. Statements are, 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 are physical things. Uh, you know, they are they're linguistic expressions. So a statement is articulated in a, in a language. So it could be written down or it could be articulated verbally. But then you can't switch and say, oh, now statements are abstract things. Because actually now you're talking about propositions. You see, you, you slip from the statement which is a linguistic expression of a proposition to a proposition itself, such as the propositions about these uh, natural numbers, let's say. Well, I consider language to be abstract. All the statements are themselves abstract. I don't consider the written thing to be the statement. The statement is the abstract concept, not the written thing. So I don't see... Okay. All right. So, so uh, okay. So a, a state, now you're saying the statement is not a physical thing, right? Right. But you're a physicalist. Yes. So statements are like an so, abstract. So there's, there are no such things as statements, strictly speaking. Yeah, they're just abstract. No, but there's no, they, they don't exist. You can't just say they're abstract. Okay. If you're a physicalist and statements, uh, statements are not physical things, the statements don't exist. Right? Well, I'd consider it like the ocean. An ocean is just an emergent property of other physical things. So you can say statements are emergent properties of brains in that sense. Well, the ocean is a physical thing. I mean, I can I can take you to the ocean. I can I can point to the ocean. All right, but but you're saying that a statement is not like that. A statement is an abstract thing. An ocean is not an abstract thing. Uh, you can jump in one. You can't jump in an abstract thing. Um, but a statement, if a statement is an abstract thing, then it's not a physical thing. So you can't help yourself to abstract entities and also maintain that you are a physicalist. Uh, you, can't, you can't have your cake and eat it. Well, I'd say abstract things are just emergent properties of the brain. And if we could um, shrink ourselves down like, the, like you know, the shrink ray, we could actually jump into the part of the brain where they're created, essentially. So we could jump Abstract into things are emergent properties of the brain. Correct. They're just essentially... Um, patterns that we see and we give those patterns labels and it's all just neurological stuff in the brain. I don't see why that's a problem. All right. Well, let's think about these, these propositions. This, this infinite number of propositions about the natural numbers. Where are these, whose brains are these infinite propositions residing in right now? None of them. It's just a potential combination of things. So we could potentially say that there's all this combination would give us those things. So this physical But these aren't potential truths. These are actual truths. They are true right now. There's a whole, there's an infinite number of truths right now about the natural numbers. Okay. That's they would, why they would be true if expressed. Yes. But that's not, we're, not what we're saying. They're, they're, we know that there are truths about natural numbers right now that none of us can, can grasp. Uh, I mean, there, there are an infinite number of truths about the, the physical universe that, that, that are there right now. Okay. There, there, are, there are truths about all kinds of things that we, we haven't entertained uh, mentally, that we haven't expressed linguistically. So either, either you have to say that these, these truths aren't there and we, or, or they come into existence at a certain amount of time, or you have to abandon your strict physicalism. 
Well, I'd say there are an infinite amount of truths about the Star Wars universe. We could say that there is this planet that has this tree with this leaf or this particle or whatever, and that would be true about the Star Wars universe, but there's nothing about the Star Wars universe that exists. It's, it's purely a fiction. Right, but this is, now, now you've switched to talking about uh, f fictional uh, claims. And, yet, and the, you know, th there's definitely a debate to be had about the status of, of truths, uh, fictional truths, like, you know, did um, Sherlock Holmes live in Baker Street and those sort of things, right? But we're not, when we talk about, for example, mathematical truths or the laws of logic, we're not talking about fictional truths, okay? The, 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 the laws of logic and uh, the truths of mathematics are not fictions. If they were fictions, we could, we could change them. Uh, it, we could declare just, just as we could say, well, uh, Sherlock Holmes could have, could have lived in Taylor Street instead of Baker Street. Uh, we could change the laws of logic. Uh, we, could, we could come up with new laws of logic. We could come up with new mathematical truths. We could declare that two plus two equals five. But these kind of truths are not, f not fictional truths. They are they're truths that are independent of us. We don't have any choice about them. Uh, they're not mere conventions. They are truths that are independent of our thinking and our speaking about them. Wouldn't you agree? Well, yeah, but that's the same thing as my example of the Star Wars universe. The fact that we say there is a, a Darth Vader or something, that statement is true or false independent of us. The what makes it true is... No, it's not, because if we hadn't existed, there would have been no Star Wars universe. I mean, the Star Wars universe, <laughs> there is no Star Wars universe apart from George Lucas and, you know, everyone else who, who, who came up with it. That's That's... That's a radical difference between the world of Star Wars and the world of first order arithmetic. Well, right. That's the that's the point I'm making is that we can we have this figment of language like the math and the Star Wars. And the only reason they're true is because they correspond to reality. If reality was a different way, then they wouldn't correspond to reality and they would be equally false. So from my perspective, the Star Wars universe and the infinite number of truths that describe the Star Wars universe is exact same as the mathematical descriptions and the infinite number of truths that mathematical descriptions have they're only true because they correspond to reality and if reality was different well then they would be false and we can make up just like we but can the make star up... wars truths about star wars don't correspond to reality well, exactly so that's what i'm saying is that the mathematical truths could also not correspond to reality if we had a different kind of reality we know there are different kinds of logics that use non-standard analysis like quantum logic and fuzzy logic so do you think do you think there are possible worlds in which two plus two is not equal to four? Uh, maybe I don't know. I know that what was it? There was one philosopher who I know talked about impossible worlds and how they could potentially be possible. Yeah, but uh, impossible worlds are not possible worlds by definition. I, know. I mean, we're talking about we're talking about worlds, possible ways that things could have been. Okay, so there's 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 a possible world in which let's say Hitler won the Second World War. Okay, that 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 was a possibility. Is there, a, is there a possible world in which uh, you can put two items along with two other items and have five items? Uh, I would say no, but I would say okay. that it's possible right. to make languages of math that do that. So we can imagine... Yeah, but there's a difference between uh, the, the languages that, you know, you can come up with an arbitrary set of symbols and declare them to relate in certain ways. But I'm talking about the truth that two plus two equals four. Okay? Right, the right. mathematical saying... truth. I'm not... I'm saying that the math is just the language and the, what makes it true is again, it's just corresponds to reality. So whether or not reality could be different, I would say no, reality is the way reality is and it can't be different. And the only reason two plus two equals four is necessary is because it corresponds to reality and reality can't be different. 
So it's not the math that's important. It's not the math that can't be different. Math is just a language. It's the reality that can't be different. But reality could have been different, right? I mean, there, there, there's a difference between, there are aspects of reality that are contingent and there are aspects of reality that are necessary. So, um, it, right, I look outside in the, the window right now, it's raining, okay? Um, it didn't, it didn't have to rain. That's not a necessary truth that it's raining at this particular time and location. There's a, there's a possible world in which it is not raining at this time and location. So that, that's something that could have been different. But two plus two equals four is not that kind of truth. It's not, it's not a truth that could have been different. So, so in our reality, what we talk about is reality. There are contingent truths. And there are necessary truths. There are some things that could have been different. And there are some things that could not have been different. And one of the uh, starting points for the argument that I stated what seems like a long time ago is that, that the laws of logic are not contingent truths, but they're necessary truths. And actually, there's a lot of, a lot of necessary truths. But if, if these truths are themselves contingent things, if truths are just um, things that we create, uh, either as um, uh, brain uh, structures or emergent properties of brains, if the truths themselves are contingent, then the truths can't be necessary truths because a necessary truth is something that is true in every possible world. So if there are necessary truths, things that are true in every possible world, then those, those truths can't be uh, contingent things like statements, human statements, linguistic expressions, human thoughts, and such like. Well, I would, I would disagree there because I would say that reality has certain ways it can't be different. So reality is the way reality is. It cannot be different. And then we can describe that with human language like the law of logic and math. And how, stuff. how can reality not be different? Does that, is everything in this world the, the way it had to be? Well, no, there could, there are, like you said, there are contingent facts about reality and there are necessary facts about reality. And one okay. of them is reality is the way reality is. That's just a necessary fact about reality. So whatever way reality is, well, that's the way reality is. So in the case of like math and logic, we're just describing that statement, reality. And that's it. And I don't think reality could have been different. I just think it's necessary that reality has some aspects of itself which are necessary. And so it's not the logic which is necessary or the math that is necessary. It's the reality that is necessary. And we're just describing that using math and logic. So the fact that we came up with a statement which can correspond to a necessary fact about the universe doesn't make that statement necessary. It's just the descriptive thing that we're using to describe the necessary thing. So I wouldn't say that the logic and the math are necessary things or necessary truths that exist independent of all possible worlds. I'd say that they'd simply describe facts about the world that are necessary. And those, that's just a property of reality. It has nothing to do with math or logic in, in and of themselves. Okay. Let's, let's try and get back on, onto the, this issue of, of what are primary truth bearers. Cause I think this is the stumbling block here. And, and if we're not, if we're not going to get some agreement on this, then we're not going to get any further. Um, do we agree that there are there are things that are true that have the property of truth? Yes. Okay. Uh, what what are those things that have the property of truth? Sentences. Sentences. Okay. So you have a suppose you have a belief that the sky is blue. Is that belief true? 
Sure, the belief can be expressed in a sentence, which would be true, yeah. Okay, so now we've got two things that have the property of truth. We have statements and we have beliefs, right? Sure. Okay, so statements and beliefs, although they're different kinds of things, right? A statement is uh, typically you know, a physical thing that's written on a page or it's a, um, you know, a, a series of um, sounds, words that are articulated um, orally. Statements uh, can be true, beliefs can be true, but what do they have in common that, that, that constitutes the truth um, that they share? So if you have the belief that the sky is blue, and there's also a statement that the sky is blue, those express the same truth, right? Sure, they both correspond to reality. But they, they, they are, they're both expressing a truth. Right? Sure. So now we have something that's not the belief and not the statement. We've got a third thing that is a truth. Again, that's just the abstract, do they correspond to reality? So that's purely covered in just semantic logic. Like, I don't see how this relates to your argument. Like The fact that there are statements or beliefs, which are just a kind of express statement in the brain essentially they're they're just whether or not they're true is only whether or not they correspond to reality i don't see yeah, but again again now you're talking about what makes them true we're not talking about the thing that is true all right we're going to try and nail down there's a difference between the, the truth maker what makes something true or what the conditions are for being true and what is a truth itself all right and, and i'm pressing on the point that there are things that are true that share that that are shared truths so Wait, you can say that again you said multiple. there's there's some difference between the truth itself and the thing that makes it true sure yeah um you you've, you've been talking about truth makers so truth makers are, are facts that maybe correspond to a truth so you, you you're insisting that something is true if it corresponds to the world okay that's 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 fine we can completely agree on that but the, the question i'm asking is not what what makes something true correspondence with reality but what fundamentally is the thing that is true? What is the entity that bears this property of truth? And sometimes you say it's a statement. Sometimes you say it's a belief. What I'm trying to, to communicate here, I'm trying to make the argument that beliefs, statements, assertions, and so forth, they're not the fundamental bearers of truth. There is, there is a category that we technically call propositions. Propositions are the primary bearers of truth. And propositions can be expressed as statements. They can be uh, believed. So th there are certain things, there are certain um, verbs, for example, that take a proposition as an object. So we can, we can believe that the sky is blue. We can assert that the sky is blue, all right? So all of these things that we do, whether it's stating, believing, or so forth, we are doing with, with respect to a proposition. And the proposition is the thing that is true or false. What I'm trying to establish here is that the propositions themselves are not identical to the statements that express them or the beliefs that uh, contain those propositions, okay? There's a difference between a sentence that says the sky is blue and the proposition that, sky, that the sky is blue. The proposition, as you say, is an abstract thing. Okay, I don't, I don't think it's a physical thing. But if it is an abstract thing, if, if a statement expresses a proposition, but a proposition is an abstract thing that doesn't really exist, 
then when we talk about truths, we're, we're just talking about a convenient fiction in your view. There, there are literally no such thing as truths on your view. If propositions are abstract and abstract things don't really exist because they're not physical things, then we don't have truths. Okay, let me express it this way and let me hear your thoughts on this. So I think that there are ideas. We have ideas. Let me change it from statements to ideas. Okay. And these ideas, which are just physical combinations of biochemical interactions in the brain, may or may not correspond to reality. And the truth is a property of whether or not those ideas correspond to reality. And that's it. Okay. I don't agree that ideas are, are physical things. Okay, I think I think I, I make a distinction between thoughts and, uh, and, and and brains. Okay, so brains are physical things. Thoughts are not physical things. So, but I, I don't really want to get down the the um, the dualist uh, route right now. Exactly, I don't want to get into an argument about you know the mind body problem. I mean it's related, but but it, I don't think we need to go down that rabbit trail. But okay, so so ideas. Okay, let's talk about ideas. All right, so. And I, can an idea be, be true? Can it be something that's true? Yes. Okay. So let's say we've got the idea that the sky is blue. So I've got my idea and you've got your idea. But those ideas share something. They have something in common that is true. Uh, otherwise, we've got no explanation for, for agreement, for, for two ideas expressing the same truth. You see... When we, when we put it that way, there are two ideas that express one truth. We've got two things, the ideas, but we've got one other thing, the truth, that's distinct from. Okay, So once we recognize that there's a distinction between the ideas that we have and the truths that we communicate with those ideas, when, then we've got a basis for talking about propositions as, as, as abstract entities okay it's truths as abstract entities um well, on, let me on go your with an view... analogy real quick so mm -hmm. let's say we're both key makers we're both designing keys and we both design a key that has the same shape and both of these keys can unlock the same lock regardless of whether or not we know the lock exists or not mm -hmm. but i don't see any necessary third category here we have the key and we have the lock we both made the same key and they can both you be used to open the same lock but there's no third thing there which is what you seem to be arguing well for. actually that's <laughs> that's that's uh, a controversial philosophical question because and it, and it's closely related. I mean, when you say you get two two keys cut, all right, but they're the same key. Well, how many keys are there? I mean, there's a is there one key or there's two keys, right? There are two keys, but there's also something they share, and this is where you get into to issues over uh, universals, right, or, or, or platonic entities. Whether the in order for two physical things to have the same shape, when we talk about the shape of those things, the shape is, is an abstract thing. It's an abstract thing that they, they share, that they have in common, um, that unifies them. And there's, there's a huge philosophical debate over whether um, shapes, uh, abstract things uh, exist as well. So actually it's the same issue that's coming up here, um, whether we, we should be realists about propositions, that was where my argument began, uh, and whether we should be realists about other uh, abstract entities like, like shapes and universals in, in general. So for you to use that illustration, I, I don't think actually moves us forward. It's just raising the question of universals or abstract entities in, in another domain. Um, so 
yeah, I mean, I, I understand, I understand the illustration, but I don't think the illustration settles anything because it just raises the question of universals in, in another context. So, so I, I'm going to keep going back to the question of whether there are propositions that are distinct from the, the statements that express them. And if, suppose on a piece of paper, I write down two, two sentences, two distinct sentences. One is uh, Socrates is mortal, and the other also says Socrates is mortal. Okay, so we've got two, two physical sentences on a page. How many propositions are there? Uh, one, given the definition. Okay, good. All right, so there's one proposition, all right? And that proposition isn't a sentence, okay? So that proposition either either is a real thing or it isn't. If it is a real thing, then my argument is up and running because we're, we're talking about propositions now as, as abstract entities. If that, if that proposition isn't a real thing, then as I say, we've got a problem on our hands because then actually the, there is no thing that is true. There's no fundamental thing that is true that unites those two sentences. Those two sentences, those two sentences are true because the proposition is true. A, a sentence is true if the proposition that it expresses is true. But if there is no such thing as a proposition to be true, then the sentences can't be true either. So again, uh, to go back to my key analogy, which is just an analogy, I understand that we're not talking about whether physical things have abstracts, but from my perspective, I see the ideas that we come to the same key as purely random. There's no, the key doesn't share any intrinsic property. The two keys don't share some abstract properties. We just have made up these ideas called abstracts, which we use to describe the keys. There is no abstract thing. There's no abstract universals that actually exist. Or like in your case, there would be no abstract propositions that exist. Propositions are just an idea that we've made up to describe the relationship between these keys. Well, you can't have it both ways. You can't say propositions don't exist, but also the propositions are ideas. I mean, which is it? Well, I, I, it's like unicorns. Unicorns don't exist, but they also exist as ideas. So it's the same kind of a thing. No, no, no. Unicorns don't exist as ideas because unicorns are physical things, right? If, if the, a unicorn, if it existed, would be a phys physical thing. But an idea isn't a physical thing. I mean, you know, there's a distinction between your idea of a unicorn and unicorn itself. Unicorns don't exist. Ideas about unicorns do exist. I mean, you've got one right now, okay? So um, don't equivocate here on, on the idea of a proposition and the proposition itself, right? You, you might be able to say, okay, we have an idea of propositions, but propositions themselves don't actually exist. They're like unicorns. Or the propositions are in fact ideas. That's, that's the kind of thing that a proposition is. So, so can I get clear on which of those two stances you're taking? Are you saying that we have an idea of propositions, but propositions don't exist, they're, they're, they're like unicorns, or that propositions just our ideas that's the kind of thing a proposition is it's a it's a it's a thought that we have uh i'm not sure the d distinction there because unicorns are just ideas there are no existing unicorns they only exist as ideas so i would say no 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 again this is an equivocation okay so uh, i mean take okay take take something that does exist okay all right um have, have you uh let's say um have you ever seen a a, a duckbill platypus uh sure pictures on the internet Okay, where, where you, all right, okay, because you haven't actually seen one, all right, okay. But you have an idea of one. Yep. Okay. So your idea of a duckbill platypus 
isn't itself a duckbill platypus, right? Yep. Because a duckbill platypus is a is a is a physical thing, and your idea is not well. Okay, I, mean, I know you're a physicalist, so maybe you're going to say an idea is a physical thing. But a duck, okay, let's say a duckbill platypus is is uh, furry, but your idea of a duckbill platypus is not furry, right? Right. So they're not the same thing. Right. Okay. So apply that now to the the issue of a unicorn. Uh, your idea of a unicorn is not the same thing as the unicorn itself. Okay. Oh, right, right, right. I agree. I'm just saying that unicorns are only existing as ideas. I'm just going to suppose that for the sake of the well, argument. That, just saying that is ambiguous. To say something exists as something else, you're saying that a unicorn is a kind of idea right. or that we have ideas about unicorns. Is a kind the, the, of idea. So I, I'd go that way. I'd say it's, is, it is a kind of idea. So I'd say that unicorns do not exist in reality. They are only a kind of idea that we have in our heads. Okay. So, so you've got an idea of a unicorn in your head, right. right? Yes. Does that idea in your head have a horn? Yes. Or the, I have an image yeah. of so a horn. So there's a horn so in your head right now. So no, it does not have a literal horn. No. But a unicorn has a horn. Unicorns don't exist. Unicorns don't have anything. But you just said that unicorns exist as ideas in our heads. So there's a unicorn in your head. Right. There's an idea of a unicorn in my head and the idea has a horn. But on. the idea of a unicorn is not itself a unicorn. Right, because unicorns right. don't exist. There are, there's no such thing as a unicorn in and of itself. But you see how you're slipping back and forth between uh, unicorns exist as ideas and unicorns don't exist. And I'm saying there's a, there's a difference. There's a difference between the idea of a unicorn and the unicorn itself. Okay, Because the idea of a unicorn is in your head, but there is no actual unicorn in your head. Right? right. So the idea of a unicorn is not itself a unicorn. Can we agree on that? Sure. Okay. So now let's get back to the topic of, of the proposition. Is the idea of a proposition a proposition itself? Is, is your position that a proposition itself doesn't exist, but you have an idea of a proposition? Essentially, yes. I'd say it's exactly the same as a okay. unicorn. All right. The problem then is that you're saying that propositions literally don't exist. So there are no things that fundamentally bear the property of truth. There aren't literally no things as truths. No, no. If I'm a saying... truth... It, I'm saying that the proposition does exist. It is a description of language. So like I can say, English is a description of a certain kind of language, but it's not. A well, you see how of... you're shifting now in your definition of a proposition. A moment ago, a proposition was an abstract thing. But now you're saying a proposition is a description. Well, a description are both, is. Descriptions are also abstracts. I don't know. There's no contradiction there. Well, a description. Okay, so let's let's go back to to the two statements on the page. All right, Socrates is mortal, and Socrates is mortal. Okay, we've got two two physical statements. And if I recall, you said that there's one proposition. Right, and right? a proposition is an abstract description that we made up, which is just a pure. So a proposition language. is an abstract thing. Right. Okay. So you believe in the existence of abstract things. Abstract things are, again, just properties of brains. They're just different combinations of neuroclinical. So abstract things are now physical things. Yes. Just like just like the idea of a unicorn exists as a thing, a figment of our imagination. Unicorns don't actually exist. There are things in our head and things in the world. And the things in our head do may or may not correspond to things in the world. So we have made up a language that we use to describe things that we can imagine existing in the world, but don't. So like unicorns, leprechauns, Santa, propositions, they're all just made up figments of our language. And the truth is, do these things actually correspond to reality or not? But they don't exist independently of our heads. They're all in our heads and that's it. How many propositions are there? Socrates is mortal. Is there, 
is there one proposition or is there more than one? Think about those statements on the page again. One. Okay, Socrates is mortal, written out twice, but there's one proposition. One. Yeah? Yes. Okay. So how many propositions are there? If, if, if Socrates is mortal is a proposition, we're thinking about it as a proposition, independent of the sentences that express it, how many of those things are there of that proposition? Uh, the sentences, there's two sentences, one proposition. No, no, how many? There's, there's two sentences. One proposition. One proposition. Yes. Okay, so there's one of those things, all yeah. right? Where is it? Well, where is that? There's also right? two sentences in one language, which is English. And to ask where is the English, well, it's nowhere. It's again, it's just a made up descriptive thing we've applied to these sentences. It doesn't exist anywhere. Well, it's one thing to say that something doesn't have a location. And I would say that's that's by definition what an abstract thing is. So, so an abstract thing, well, okay, there's different ways of drawing the distinction, but but an abstract thing is commonly understood as something that, that doesn't exist in, in space and time. So it doesn't have it doesn't have a location, at least. All right. Is it your position that some abstract things exist? There are there are real abstract things, real abstract entities. Well, no, I'd say the abstract things are just like the unicorn. It's just you can okay. abstract things can right. be a result of physical things like interactions in our brains, but the abstract things are just symbols, essentially made up languages like English. Does English okay. actually exist? Well, only as chemical interactions in our brain as some abstract emergent property, but the English language as an entity in and of itself does not exist. It's just an emergent property of brains. Okay, so I'm trying to get clear on whether you think I mean, if 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 English if the English language is an abstract thing, and no abstract things exist, literally, then there is no such thing as the English language. You, you know, you can't say that on the one hand English is an abstract thing, and then also say that it's just stuff in your brain because stuff in your brain obviously isn't abstract. I mean, it's, it's physical stuff. So you, you know, you're skipping forth between the categories of concrete things, concrete physical things, and abstract things. And I, I don't think you've got a consistent position, certainly with respect to propositions. I mean, we, we've been all over the map with respect to whether propositions are physical things, uh, whether they're abstract things, whether they're just uh, fictional things that, that, that don't exist. Um, I mean, I, I would like to get back to this, this question of, of the, the ontological statement status of a proposition. So again, think about the proposition, Socrates is mortal. Okay, I can, I can identify it. The proposition. It's, it's, not, it's not more than one thing. It's just the proposition, the truth that Socrates is mortal. We can, we can express that in different sentences. We can, it, can, it can be uh, believed by different people. But there's just one proposition that Socrates exists. And my question to you is, what kind of a thing is that is that proposition? All right, so I can I think it's abstract, yeah? Yeah, so, so I can say the same thing about English. So we have two sentences, Socrates is mortal. They're both expressed by two different people and two different pieces of paper written down, but there's only one language, which is English. So, so what ontological thing is this English that we're talking about? Well, I'd say it's the same thing. It's just, again, it's a made-up language, a made-up figment of our imagination. It's a label that we apply to things. It's an imaginary label that we apply to things. Proposition is a, what is it that you're, you're saying is a made up label? Yeah, proposition. So propositions are just like English. It's just a formal language. It's a made up label that we apply to things in the world to say that they have certain kinds of qualities. 
but they don't exist. The propositions don't exist. They're just a made-up lingual label okay. of human language. All right. So propositions don't exist. Okay. Well, in that case, truths don't exist because right. truths are by definition true propositions. So there, there's no such thing as truths. Right. Truth is just again a label that we've made up to apply to sentences to describe the sentence, and then so there's no such thing as a truth. Only in the fact that we've made it up as a part of language. It doesn't exist independent of our language. So truth is like a unicorn in your view. Yes. Truth is just okay. a property of sentences. There okay. can still be facts. Would you consider yourself a seeker of the truth? Uh, yes. So you you seek for truth like you seek for unicorns? Uh, I seek to have my sentences correspond to reality. So I seek for the truth in that sense because it's how yeah. we define truth. I mean, yeah. you, want, you want to have your cake and eat it. You want to, on the one hand, say that there's no such thing as truths. But you also want to say, uh, you know, I'm a seeker of these things that are truths. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not sure that you can you can really have it both ways. But you want to have it both ways because because you're a physicalist and you don't want to accept the idea that there are in fact abstract entities like propositions. So well, I mean, I can seek money, and money is just a made up thing. I don't see the contradiction there. <laughs> well, uh, that's an interesting. Yeah, I mean, that, that's an interesting example. You know, money, money is, there's a sense in which, you know, money is real, exists as a, as, a, as a social construct. If you want to say that truth is a social construct, I mean, is that what you want to say? That, that the truth is a social construct? Well, definitions of truth were, because there's different definitions of truth, like in the different kinds of logic. But I Yeah, but that, a yeah. definition of truth is not the same as truth itself, just as a definition of money is not the same as money itself. Money... Is a, is, a, is a social construct. And it's a very interesting philosophical question about how we, how we think about those things. But if you're going to appeal to money on analogy with truth, then do you want to say that truth has the same kind of uh, status, uh, ontological state, status as money? I mean, that's, that's what postmodernists say, right? Truth is, uh, truth is a, a social construct. It doesn't uh, have any uh, independent existence. Uh, well, truth is a social construct, but the fact that there is a reality for it to correspond to isn't. So there is a reality, and there is w it's only one way it can be, which is the way it is. And truth, as we have defined it, is whether or not what we're saying corresponds to that, whether or not our ideas can describe that reality. And that's not a social yeah. construct. The fact that we've come up with the definition of truth to be this is a social construct, but the fact that some ideas correspond to reality and some ideas don't. Is but again, now, now you're talking about what makes something true, right. okay, correspondence to reality. But that's not really the topic of our, our conversation. I mean, we're, we're agreed that things are, are true in virtue of correspondence to reality. But what I'm getting at is what are the things that are true themselves? And my claim is that propositions, propositions by definition, are, are truth bearers. They're the things that we talk about when we talk about truths. When we say something is true, or what you the thing that you believed was true, so you had a belief and that belief was true, what we're referring to is the proposition in that belief. Okay, and, so, so I would say that the truth bearer is socially constructed. The truth bearer is socially constructed. Okay. Uh, so how would that work with, for example, mathematical truths like two plus two equals four? Um, did we did we construct that truth? Uh, yes, we dis we constructed the idea. Yes, and then the reality itself again. The truth maker isn't doesn't that's independent, but the truth bearer, the sentence, is purely the figment of language and how we use language. The truth, the truth bearer, is. A figment? 
Yes, the truth bearer is socially constructed, but the truth maker is still independent of us. Okay. So does the truth bearer itself exist? Is it is it an existent thing? It's just a social construction. So if whatever way social constructions exist, that way. <laughs> if you want to say it's a non-physical thing, I'm going to just say it's a figment of the brain. But I'm saying the truth bearer is just, again, socially constructed, just like any other idea. Okay. So uh, is... is are social constructions just uh, um, parts of a brain or, 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 or components of a brain? Essentially, yes. Okay. So uh, money. Uh, is there money in your head right now? Nope. It's just an idea. So in, in the sense it's an idea, yes, but the literal money doesn't exist in my head, no. Okay. So the literal money is different from the idea. Right. Just like okay. unicorns, like an actual unicorn would be different from the idea of a unicorn. But again, there's no contradiction there. Unicorns just don't exist. Just like money doesn't really exist. It's just an idea. Yeah, I do. I mean, again, the, you're switching back and forth between saying money is an idea. Money doesn't exist or it does exist. It's a social construct. Uh, I'm just not sure that we're, we're finding a consistent position here uh, on on how you think about the, the ontological status of these things, particularly these abstract things. Um, I, I, at this point, I'm, I'm not sure uh, we're going to get any further. And it's interesting because, you know, I stated my argument at the outset and um, we're not even really past the first few, few stages of it. But uh, I, I'm not sure what else I could say that uh, is, is going to... Um, persuade you that that, that, that that propositions need to be understood as real abstract entities. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, uh, I, I'm sort of out, out of ideas about how we can, how we can approach this topic now. My, 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 my basic argument still stands that in order to make sense of the, the claims that we make about propositions, about truths, we have to distinguish truths from the sentences that express them, from the beliefs that the beliefs that contain them, and those truths themselves either exist or they do not. Your position, as far as I can tell, is that they do not exist. I mean, either something exists or it doesn't, right? Either either it's a real entity or not. I think your position is that that propositions do not exist. Uh, that we have ideas about propositions, but propositions themselves don't exist. Is that is that where yes. we've landed? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So I would say that there are things in our head, the ideas, and there's things in the world, the reality. And even if things and ideas are, in fact, a subset of reality, we're just going to yeah. call them two separate things for the for the argument. And yeah. the, the propositions are the things in our head. They don't exist in reality independent of our head. Well, hold on, hold on. You, you've done it again. You say propositions are things in our heads. Well, if they're in our heads, then they exist, right? Again, you seem to be mixing up the idea of a proposition with the, with the proposition itself. Right, and there's absolutely no contradiction there at all. It works perfectly well. So we can say we, there are things we imagine in our heads, and they are not a part of reality independent of our heads. So you can say, okay, fine, they're a part of a reality as a chemical interaction. That's fine. But there's nothing independent. It's just, it's all in our heads. There is no independent abstract objects that are necessary that exist outside of our heads or in the universe. Well, the problem with that is that you've, you've, you've now got this situation where you say, well, there are two sentences on a page and they express the same proposition, but the pro a proposition isn't a thing. 
again, it's just a made-up label. They so. express they express the same truth, but that we don't mean anything. We're not actually referring to anything when we talk about that. How can you say that two two sentences express the same proposition, and also that a proposition isn't anything? It's it's just a it's just a made-up thing uh, on a par with the unicorn. The I mean, same way I can either say... both express the same proposition or they don't. But if, if two sentences express a proposition, then there must be a proposition that they express. Well, the same way I can look at Target and see all the toys of the unicorns and say they express the same entity, which is a unicorn, but unicorns don't exist. Again, we've just made up language, a language label that we use to apply well, that's these not things. A, that's, not, that's not a parallel. That's not a true parallel to say that, that these toys represent a unicorn. That's different from saying that two propositions uh, two statements express a proposition. The, the the proposition itself is is a truth. I mean, when we say that two statements express the same truth, we are we are presupposing. I mean, there's a there's an ontological commitment there to the truth that they express. So there's no there's no parallel there between that and uh, and unicorn toys in Target. Well, I disagree with that when you said there's an ontological commitment to the truth they express. I mean, I, that's why I brought up the English example. I can say there are two sentences. They're both English. There's only one English there, which is expressed by the two sentences, but the English doesn't have any ontological commitment. Again, it's just a made-up language. So I'd say I don't see, I, I don't follow at all your argument of how this requires some separate category of things. It's just we have made-up categories of things, and we label them. And the proposition is just a label that we apply to this language stuff. It's not an independent thing of our heads. It's just, it's a label. It's a label for something that doesn't exist. It's a label for things in other things in our head. Like we can label uh, unicorns as mammals or something, or we can label tribbles as hating Klingons, but these labels are only of other things in our heads. So we can, we can categorize the stuff in our head under different labels and give them labels of, but none of them actually exist. They're just figments of our imagination. So, so your position then is that propositions are figments of our imagination. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, I it's, just, it's a formal language, just like English. Propositions are figments of our imagination. Yep, just a formal language, just like English. All right. So since truths are true propositions, your position is also then that truths are figments of our imagination. Yep, just a descriptive property that we apply to the sentence, yes. Again, so when we talk about separate. truths that we've discovered or truths that we know, those truths actually aren't, aren't, aren't real things. They're, they're figments of our imagination. So when, when I say all the things I know, let's, let's, let's say that P, P stands for all the truths that I know, that P, whatever P refers to, is actually a figment of my imagination. I, I, I think I know truths, but let's literally speaking given your ontology i don't literally know anything because i don't know because truths aren't things could you say that one yeah? more time the p is okay what? so let, let's back up i believe you said just a moment ago that since propositions are figments of our imagination therefore truths are figments of our imagination okay so when i say i know certain truths the i there's no actual object of my knowledge. The, the, the truths that I claim to know aren't real things. Uh, in fact, your position seems to make knowledge 
a figment of our imagination as well, because anything that we know has to be a truth. The, the object of knowledge is, is a truth. You can know a truth. So let's say that the, the truth that two plus two equals four. You and I know that truth, but you're also saying that that, that object of our knowledge doesn't exist. It's a figment of our imagination, like a unicorn. Uh, maybe. Not sure I follow completely, but let me see if I can phrase it like this. Okay, so, well, let's just think about a um, a statement, a subject-verb-object statement. Okay, so so we've got the subject is is me or I or or let's say let's say Tom. Okay, put you in this position. So you're the subject. The verb is to know, and the object is some truth, some proposition. Okay, so we say Tom knows that two plus two equals four. So Tom knows this proposition, this truth, okay? Now your, your position is that that truth is, is not, a, not an existent thing. It's, a, it's an imaginary thing, it's a fictitious thing. So strictly speaking, you don't know anything. Well, no, again, because no is, again, just a relationship between ideas. So I have some proposition in my head, imaginary. Well, no idea. isn't a relationship between ideas. No is a relationship between a, a, a subject and a and a truth okay so if i know something that something is a proposition i know that the sky is blue i know that socrates is mortal okay a, pro, an, a verb like to know okay as we're using in a propositional sense i mean there's other kinds of ways we use the term knowledge but if i say i know that something that the the that clause refers to a proposition okay and if I genuinely know it, then it's a truth. It has to be a truth. You can't know a falsehood. So you've said that, uh, that propositions don't actually exist. What that means then is that my knowledge has literally no object. Okay, so let me see if I can rephrase this and you tell me how this fits. So again, I have an idea, a statement, the sky is blue in my head. And then I label that statement with again, just all imaginary labels here, I'm going to label that statement true because that statement corresponds to reality. So, but that's just a label I've made up. I've made up this truth label and said, well, this statement is true because it corresponds to reality. So I didn't make up the truth maker. The truth maker is independent, but I made up the label true. That's a social construct. I made up the proposition idea that the, the ideas in it correspond to or A equals A or whatever. All of that's just made up labels that we apply to the statement, sky, the sky is blue. And all of that can exist as purely just mental constructs, social constructs, independent of the truth maker. The truth maker still exists independent of anything we make up. But all of that is just made up figments of language. Like, where is the contradiction there? Again, I think there's there's an equivocation going on here when, when you talk about the statements that you, you know. Because if you and I know the same thing, then what we know... Is a, is a proposition. We know a true proposition. So I know that Socrates is mortal. You know that Socrates is mortal. The thing that we know, the object of our knowledge, is the same thing, right? The truth that Socrates is mortal. Well, sure. They both, the truth applies to both of those, just like the key in the key example, but it's not like a thing independent. Again, it's just a label in our heads. We can say key number seven is one that has this shape. And we both made a key that has that shape. Therefore, they're both key number seven. But key number seven as an idea doesn't exist. It's just a label we apply to anything that has that shape. So we have a sentence, the sky is blue or Socrates is mortal. And we apply to that sentence the proposition, 
because the proposition is just a label we apply to anything that has that shape. Yes. Okay. So yeah, I mean, certainly we, we have this label. Okay. You know, this is a label proposition, at least in the English language. Okay. So we have this label proposition that refers to the truth that can be shared between two sentences or the things that you and I both know. So we have this label for proposition. There's no, no debate about that. I mean, this isn't, this is not, no, not, not a controversial point. Okay. So we've come up with this label proposition. I mean, you know, it's kind of arbitrary, but, but the, the question is whether the thing that we call a proposition, the thing that we are referring to when we speak about propositions, whether that is an, is itself an existent thing, whether that is, uh, whether, whether the, the term proposition ever refers to anything real okay and and fundamentally there are three three answers to that question uh or, or sort of three three categories of answer one is no it doesn't actually refer to anything there are literally no propositions okay that would be the sort of anti-realist or, or nominalist position then there would be the sort of concretist position that says that propositions are concrete things um maybe um brain uh, structures or, or some sort of um, organization of, of neurons, something like that. You know, it has to be a concrete physical thing. And the third option is that propositions are abstract things. They do exist, but they're non-material things. They're, they're, they're not physical or material things, okay? Now, I, I've been arguing for the third option, okay? I think that's the only way that we can actually make sense of things like communication, sentence agreement, translation, um, the idea that there are, are, are truths that haven't yet been expressed, truths that haven't been dis, dis, uh, discovered. I, I'm going to make the case that, that that's the best account of it. Um, I'm not clear yet on whether you are taking door A or door B in this three-door three, uh, three um, choice, whether you're saying that the term proposition doesn't actually refer to anything. It's like unicorn. I think, I think that's probably the position you've taken, or that it does refer to things, but these things are concrete things. Yeah, I take the anomalous route. Yeah. I take it doesn't. They don't actually refer to anything. Okay, I mean that. that yeah, that's fine. All, all I'm saying is, uh, I think that's a very problematic position to take, precisely because it commits you to saying that there are no truths. If propositions are the fundamental bearers of the property of truth, you can have truth makers. Oh, well, sure, you can have all of reality as a truth maker. But you actually haven't got any truth bearers. You've got, you've literally got nothing that counts as a truth or bears the property of truth in your in your way of thinking. Um, if you think that that there's no problem with that, I'm not sure I could convince you otherwise. Um, I mean, yeah. why can't truth bearers just be ideas and labels that we make up? Because now, now you're saying that they exist, but they exist as ideas. Again, you keep you keep shifting from saying. That this is this isn't a thing, and now it's an idea. Okay, that's why I spent so much time talking about the distinction between uh, the idea of a unicorn and a unicorn. All right, so a unicorn is not an idea. There's a difference between the idea of a unicorn and a unicorn, and you you keep seem to shift you seem to keep shifting between a proposition itself and our idea of a proposition. Now, if a proposition isn't itself an idea you can have an idea of a proposition but there actually are no propositions then propositions are literally like unicorns okay non-existent things but it won't do to say 
if I say to you, let's use the unicorn analogy, suppose I give you an argument for saying that you need your unicorns, all right? Let, let's suppose for the sake of argument that um, I, I've proven that, that some, some aspect of your experience or thought requires the existence of unicorns. It won't do for you to say, can I just have the idea of a unicorn? Because the idea of a unicorn isn't going to do the work of a unicorn. And likewise, the idea of a proposition isn't going, itself going to do the work of a proposition. Either you have propositions or you don't. What do you mean when you say the idea of a proposition can't do the work of a proposition? Because a proposition, a proposition is is uh, is the fundamental truth bearer that is uh, shared by true statements, true beliefs, and so forth. Um, but a proposition is is singular. Okay, we we established that earlier that the proposition, for example, there's just one proposition that Socrates is mortal. There aren't many propositions. There's one proposition: Socrates is mortal. It, an idea can't do the work of a proposition because whose idea is going to be that proposition? Is it going to be yours? Is it going to be mine? Is it going to be Donald Trump's? Heaven help us. But, you know, ideas in heads can't do the work of an abstract thing like a proposition. You know, you, it's, it's not a like for like um, comparison. An idea can't be a proposition. Well, that's again where I go back to the key example. Even if we have an idea of key seven, which is a key of a certain shape, we can make a bunch of instances of that key seven, and all of those instances can do the work of the proposition, and you don't need the idea. You can just get rid of the idea completely. There's no need for it at all. So you can get rid of the propositions entirely because it makes no impact on reality. They're just descriptive things we've made up. Like, we don't need any propositions. They're just descriptions of reality. Reality exists independent of the propositions. So we don't need we don't need propositions, but they're they're descriptions of reality. Well, in that case, we don't need descriptions of reality. I mean, you know, you, you can't shift back and forth and say this is this. Well, you don't need the first thing. We just need the second thing. Either they're the same thing or they're not. Well, yeah, we don't need descriptions of reality. Reality can exist without any descriptions that we have of it. Like we don't we don't need to know anything at all or describe anything. No. Obviously, we need descriptions, not, not in the sense that they have to exist, but we need descriptions of reality in the sense that that's what we trade in when we talk about truths. Okay, so we, I talked earlier about having knowledge. What is it that we know when we know something? We know a truth. We know a true proposition. Now, that true proposition either exists or it does not. If it does not exist, then when we talk about knowing a truth, we're just engaging in a convenient fiction. We're not, there's really no such thing as knowledge. If there are no truths, then there's no knowledge. But if there are truths, then again, we've got to nail down what kind of things are they? Are they, are they, are they concrete things or are they abstract things? And my argument has been that a proposition can't be a concrete thing because it, it doesn't have the sort of features that a proposition does. A proposition has to be singular. Uh, it, it, can't, uh, it can't be something that comes in and out of existence. It can't be something that's dependent on human thought or human speech for all the reasons I laid out earlier to do with the fact that there are, there are an infinite number of truths that, uh, that we haven't expressed, we haven't thought, we couldn't express if we wanted to. All right. Well, um, we've gone for about an hour. I don't want to keep you <laughs> any longer. So, But yeah, I, I'm, still, I'm not convinced. I still think that propositions are getting i know you're not convinced much. that's 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 fine uh, I, I really enjoyed having the conversation with you thanks for coming on i, I enjoyed really it too it. uh it was a good conversation and i mean these are uh challenging topics i mean you've really got to nail down your uh your definitions and uh 
uh, in, in general, I think um, these issues are, are, are better resolved through written format than through conversation because you, you've got to kind of keep track of equivocations and so forth. But, but anyway, um, if you uh, if you're we didn't get very far with the argument, but if you are interested, then uh, you can you can check out the paper that I wrote uh, on the argument from logic. Um, I co-wrote with uh, Greg Welty and, uh, uh, you know, if you want to see how the argument would pro progress, but contained in there, there, there is some, some argument for the existence of propositions that we, we tried to cover here, but I guess we, we kind of got stuck in the mud. What's the title of the paper? The paper, the title of the paper is, um, the Lord L O R D of non-contradiction. So it's a, sort of a lame play on words, but there it is. The Lord of non-contradiction and uh, the argument, for God from Logic is the subtitle. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. I Thanks really for having me, Tom. Going. It's been a pleasure. See you later. See ya. Thank you very much for listening to Revealed Apologetics. If you have any questions that you would like me to answer um, on one of our podcast episodes, please feel free to send in your question uh, at revealedapologetics at gmail.com.